welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, you do have a message for us. And I pray you will empower me to share your message. Now, Father, I'm also praying that your sons and daughters will get their eyes on Jesus. And they will lay down fear, they'll lay down anxiety, they'll lay down hopelessness, and they will stop looking at man and start looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the king of our kingdom. And remember, his kingdom is never shaken in Jesus' name. Lord, I receive your anointing to speak this word now. Amen. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant, that gold box that had a solid gold lid with two solid gold angels attached to it, that inside had the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. It was... It was the emblem of God's covenant with his people. It was the emblem of God's presence with them. Remember, in, in, it, at night, it was a pillar of fire above it. By day, it was a, it was a pillar of a cloud above it. God's presence with them. That that golden box, the Ark of the Covenant, was lost to the enemy of Israel one day in a battle. Israel was backslidden. The priest Eli and his sons were corrupt. they become a corrupt nation. They couldn't stand before their enemies. The Philistines, they thought they had captured the God of Israel. And so now they were going to be supreme over Israel. But when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of their God, Dagon, their God fell before the Ark of the Covenant and broke. Right? You know, when, you're, when your God can fall and break, you get it, don't you? Or like others who carry their God around in their pocket. I just go, yeah, I really want my God bigger than that. You know? It, it's, but, but see, we, we, we become so deceived. But not only that, but boils began breaking out on the people and tumors. And so the Philistines went, wow, we can't deal with this God. We got to get him out of here. And so they, they, they put the ark on a, on a cart that they, special built cart that they made and they sent it back and, and it went back and it, it stopped at the community of Kiriath Yearim and a man named uh, Abinadab took care of the ark. Seventy years the Ark of the Covenant was there in Kiriath Yearim. It, it's a small community that is about 10 miles, 11 miles straight west of the city of Jerusalem. 
When David became king, he had a dream. He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the capital city so that the blessings of Almighty God would be there in that capital city. And, and he had a plan of, of, of making a special tent for it and training singers and musicians that 24-7, 365 worship would be going up to Almighty God. This was his dream. And so he, he organized a procession to go there and to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. But it became disastrous. And, and even one of his men lost his life in the process. And so, discouraged, frustrated, he left the Ark of the Covenant at the home of a man named Obed-Edom. And over three months, he kept getting reports of how the man and his family were blessed greatly because the Ark of Covenant was there. And, and it just stirred up David's dream. And David goes, I want that blessing here in Jerusalem. I want it here in the capital city. I want that blessing here and on the whole nation. And so finally, after three months, he put together another procession. And he went and he moved the Ark of the Covenant from the home of Obed-Edom into the capital city, into the tent that he had made for it, established the singers and the worshipers. The reason he was successful the second time was because the first time he tried to move the Ark of the Covenant the same way the Philistines did, made a special cart for it, and he was trying to do it the way of the world, and that didn't work. The second time he went to the Word of God and he moved the presence of God. He moved the Ark of God's covenant with his people, the presence of God, he did it God's way. And because he did it God's way, he got God's blessings in his life. Amen? I think we need to think about that sometimes, don't you? Yeah? Do you have a dream? Do you have a dream for your life? Are there times that you look at individuals and you go, they're so blessed. I want to be blessed. Or maybe you look at, at some of the families and you go, that family is so blessed. I want to be blessed like that. I, I want that blessing. I want to be blessed. Come on, amen? amen? Well, good news. Almighty God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. Almighty God wants you blessed more than you can imagine. Remember what we discovered two weeks ago? Deuteronomy 28. God wants you blessed when you go out, blessed when you come in. He wants you blessed in your work. He wants you blessed in your home. He wants you blessed in your children. He wants you blessed in your hobbies. He wants you to be blessed in everything that you do. He wants you to be strong and mighty. And when the enemy comes against you one way, he will defeat the enemy before you. And when the enemy comes one way, he'll flee before you seven. He wants you to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. He wants you to be the lender, not the borrower. Come on, God wants you blessed. Remember what he said in Psalm 1? He wants you to be and your family to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves does not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's how God wants your life. And you go, I want that. 
Good, because God wants that for you. In fact, did you know God gives dreams? Look at Joel 2.28. God gives dreams. This is an amazing scripture we find in Joel 2.28. Would you read it with me? And I even have my little bouncing ball so we can be like the old Mitch Miller. Oh, hold on. I got it here. There it is. You ready? Here we go. My spirit. Oh, wait, we need to go back one. It didn't. It didn't start there. There we go. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Go back. Oh, I get, I get it. You got a different translation than I got. I still have the old King James in my head. Okay, here we go. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream. Cool, right there. I love it. That's me. I used to have visions. Now I have dreams. <laughs> see, I told you, your young men shall see visions. See, I told you. <laughs> I used to have visions. Now I have dreams. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. God gives dreams and visions. Amen. He gave a dream and vision to Abraham. He said, Abraham, you're going to be blessed and, and all nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Abe, Abe goes, yes, I like that. Of course, then 25 years later, you had to remind God, God, remember what you said? <laughs> but you know what? In the meantime, God had blessed him. He was one of the wealthiest men on earth. He was being blessed. He was being blessed, and he was, and he was blessing others. When a... When a, when a uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were conquered by enemy forces. Abe took 300 of his men, just 300 of his men, and went and defeated five other armies and brought back all the spoil plus. He was blessed. Of course, when he did that, he met Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So I got a question for you. His name, Melchizedek, means king of righteousness. He was the king of shalom, the king of peace. He came with bread and wine. Who does that sound like? Anybody you ever thought of? Oh, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Jesus, who's the prince of peace, who is the prince of righteousness, and who said of the bread, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And said of the wine, this is the blood of my covenant with you. Oh, that's right. And Melchizedek paid tithe, or excuse me, Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. Isn't that interesting? He had a dream. Joseph had a dream. God gave him a dream that one day he would be a ruler and even his father and his brothers would be under his leadership. Moses had a dream. He's going to lead the children of Israel to the land of promise. David had a dream that he was going to be the shepherd of Israel. Not just the shepherd of sheep, but the shepherd of Israel. The apostles had a dream. A dream that they were going to build the church. And they would crush the gates of hell and plunder hell to populate heaven. Had a dream. God gives dreams. And visions. And he has a dream and vision for your life. 
But the enemy is always trying to steal it. You go, well, I don't know. Are you sure God has a dream and vision for my life? You know, Psalm 139 tells us so. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 17. In verse 13, he talks about how that the hand of God shaped you in your mother's womb. You were not an accident. You go, well, you don't know how I, mean, I, was, I, was, I was conceived in rape, or my parents never planned on having any kids, or you don't know, I was, I was conceived when, when, when my mom and some guy, and well, you know, I'm just an accident, you know, I'm just, you know. No, 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 you got to understand something. There's only life in the womb because God put life there. Just because there's an egg and some sperm swimming around doesn't mean there's going to be life. God gives life. He's the giver of life. And God gave your life. And here's, and here's how the psalmist wrote it. He said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eye did behold my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book were all my members written, which in continues were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Before the very first human beings were formed on planet earth, God had this massive book that he wrote. And in that book was your name and all of the architecture of your design. God had it all written down. He knew the color of your eyes, the color of your hair, your skin tone. He knew what DNA would be in you. He knew what nationality you would be. He had it all written down in a book, all written down. Now listen, if there is a blueprint for your life, there must be a purpose and destiny for your life. Because no, no architect is going to use the same blueprint for a potato shed that is going to use for a 5,000 square foot home with pillars and a brick front. Different, different blueprint. He's got to draw two completely different blueprints. Come on, amen? amen? Look around this room. How different are we? I mean, every single one of us is different. God had your blueprint, and he had it written before the foundation of the world. And with that blueprint, he had a purpose and destiny. God had a dream for you. He had a dream for you. And he wants you to fulfill that dream. But you can only fulfill that dream when you do it God's way. We try to fulfill God's dream doing it our way. I mean, can you believe this? I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. Oh, I could throw a string. I could. I was a good quarterback. But when I was the first year in the Air Force, I was quarterback for the 341st Combat Support Group. 
The first game, the team we were playing, their entire front defensive line had played college football, and all of them were well over six foot. I couldn't see my wide receivers. Now, my senior year of high school, going back, I had a crossing pattern of my wide receivers, and I was going back, and from my blind side, a guy six foot eight squished me like a bug. <laughs> this right knee, instead of going forward, went sideways. 300 cc's of fluid drained off of it. And as that first game, when I saw that, I went, uh-uh. So at the end of that series, I went to coach and I said, I'm not playing anymore because I can't take those guys. I said, besides that, I can't. All I could do was just heave the ball as far as I could down the field and hope somebody got under it because I couldn't see them. I wonder, are you kidding me? What kind of, that was my dream, but it wasn't God's dream. God knew I didn't need to be six foot two to be a preacher. <laughs> besides that, at five foot eight, I outgrew my hair for, man. God's got a dream for you but so many of you you have been trying to do it your way and it's not working and you want to know why you're not living the blessed life it is because you need to lay down your ways and learn to do it God's way because God designed it perfectly for you Now, the other thing is the enemy tries to steal it, right? The enemy tries to steal God's dream and vision from our life through abandonment, abuse, rape, incest, rejection, schoolyard mockery, bullying. I mean, the enemy tries to steal from you the dream and vision that God has for your life. So that you're filled with angst and anxiety, worry, rejection, insecurity, low self-worth, resentment, bitterness. All of those things stop God's dream and vision. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said this in John 10.10. 10. Read it with me, would you please? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look at this. That they may have life and have it more abundantly. Right there. See, that's the blessed life right there. That's the blessed life. Do you know? It's so common for disciples of Jesus to live in the less. Well, I guess this is just what God meant for me, and I just, oh, stop. No, 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 no. That's not what God meant for you. That's not what God meant for you. Sometimes we'll, we'll be content with living with a quarter cup or half cup of what God has for us, and we think it's really, really good, and it is good, but it's not all. He wants you living the blessed life. He wants you living abundantly. Listen to some of the things that God says. 
If any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. You are no longer a victim. You may have been raped. You may have been molested. Maybe you were a victim of incest. Maybe you were a victim of abuse. Maybe you were rejected. But I'm telling you, when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, that person ceased to exist. You are now a new creation in Jesus. That never happened to you. You say, but it happened to me while I was a believer. How come God didn't protect me? We live in a sinful, fallen world. And so God's promise to you, dear, God's promise to you, sir, if that happened to you while you were a believer, God's promise to you is, I'm going to take that experience and I am going to so heal it. I'm going to so remove it. There won't even be a scar there because I will make all things work together for your good. I will make all things work together for your good. Those things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Amen. The enemy tries to steal it, but God says, I make all things new. How about this one? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. I mean, you haven't even thought of the blessings God wants to bring into your life. And you wouldn't naturally think of them. He wants to bless you. Just before that, in verse 19, he said that we have the peace that passes understanding and we're filled, listen, with all the fullness of God. Now, when I, when, when, when I go through these, these verses, I, I love to pause a moment and just ask myself, how much is all? What does all include? What does all exclude? Have you ever asked yourself that question? If all things are become new... If, if, if we're filled with all the fullness of God, if he wants to do things that exceed all the things I could imagine or think, how much is that? Is that kind of like everything? Everything? See, you're blessed. But you have to get, you have to get your, your thinking, your reasoning, your opinions, your ideology, your philosophy, your thought patterns. You've got to get them lined up with the word of Almighty God and not the world and not what people have told you all your life. See, if, if, I, if I lived my life by what people said to me, I would still believe I was a throwaway human being and I'd probably be in prison. I'm so thankful the Lord Jesus Christ, that person doesn't even exist anymore. 
He made Forrest Dean Hackett Jr. a whole new creation. And now I live under everything he says about me. That's who I am. Just the same for you. And you know what the cool thing is? Through that new birth experience and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I am day by day walking in the purposes and destinies that God had for me. And I know I live right now. I am still alive at this moment, at this time. I am still pastoring you at this time because through that you and I get to walk through this time and this season and be God's instrument of his kingdom at this time and this season. Aren't you afraid? No. Well, aren't you worried about what's going to happen? No. Well, doesn't it make you angry? Well, yeah, there are some things that make you angry. They should make me angry. But you got to remember, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. So in my anger, I've got to get myself lined up with the word of Almighty God and the purposes and destinies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I can take that energy and I can take that emotion and I can accomplish God's work, God's way, in God's time. There's a story we got to look at. I got to look at my time and see. Oh yeah, cool. <clears throat> Jesus was at the home of a man who at one time had been a leper. His name was Simon. Lazarus, yes, that Lazarus, and his sisters. Mary and Martha were there. They were having dinner, and Martha was actually the one preparing and serving the dinner meal. Surprise, surprise, right? I mean, Martha, that's her love. Must be her love language. In the midst of the meal, Mary of Bethany brings a flask, an alabaster, alabaster, alabaster flask of spikenard and she breaks it open and she pours some of the spikenard on Jesus' head and the rest on his feet and then she begins wiping his feet with her hair Judas Iscariot becomes very vocal and very verbose and he's angry and he goes why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii so we could give the money to the poor. Why was this wasted? That was his terms. Why was this wasted? An interesting parallel here between Mary of Bethany and Judas Iscariot. Jesus says of Mary that as long as mankind lives on the earth throughout the whole world, this testimony of her is going to be told. Judas Iscariot, he had been a disciple of Jesus for three and a half years, but he wasn't an authentic disciple. He was the bookkeeper and treasurer for Jesus' ministry, but he was embezzling funds from the treasury. His real motive had nothing to do with the poor, unless it was him. 
And we know what happened with him. He betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ for money and then went out and committed suicide. What an incredible difference between the two. And the reason was because one was fulfilling God's purpose and dream and destiny for her life. And the other was trying to fulfill a dream and a destiny by the way of the world. One had a generous spirit and heart. The other had a selfish, greedy motive in life. See, we, we must come to grips with this true principle. Listen closely. Living the blessed life, living your dream, is built upon a heart of generosity. Insecurity, fear, worry, rejection, low self-worth, all of those negative things that the enemy tries to bring into our life, he brings into our life because he wants to lock our heart up. Because when, when those things are there, we can't love the way Jesus loves. And when, 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 and we, we may love, but we'll love and measure. It's interesting. Because we got our heart locked up like that, and we say to someone, I love you with all my heart, but what that means is you get this much of my heart. My heart's this big, but you only get this much because all the rest of it is filled with insecurity, worry, fear, anxiety, rejection, resentment, bitterness. That's, that's taking all the rest of my heart. So you get this much, but I think I'm loving you with all my heart because that's all the capacity I have for love. And so Jesus comes and he wants to heal our heart and set our heart free so it's free from all of that stuff. And so now we can truly have a heart of generosity and we can love the way he loves. With a true generous spirit. And that was Mary. See, if I were to tell you that alabaster box of spikenard worth 300 denarii, that's an entire year of salary. Can you imagine yourself taking a little bottle of perfume that you paid $30,000 for or $60,000 for? And taking it and pouring half of it on someone's head and the other half on their feet. And then taking your hair and wiping their feet. Oh, but wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You're thinking of it in terms of somebody taking off their shoes. Uh-uh. Jesus walked in sandals. His feet had been in the dirt all day long. Are you going to take your hair, pour that oil on those dirty feet, and then take your hair and wipe? Huh? That is a generous spirit that loves to the fullest measure.
That's an authentic disciple. And that's the kind of generous spirit dreams are built on. Amen. See, that, that's the kind of generous spirit that you can live the blessed life when you love that way. See, because all, all, all other generosity flows out of a generous heart of love. We give because we love. We give because we love. We love people, so we give. We give because we love. But all those negative things lock us up. That's Satan's effort to lock you up. Do bad things happen? Yeah. Do people get wounded? Oh, man. If you haven't learned yet, life is not fair. It just will beat you to a pulp. But Jesus comes that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly because he wants you living the blessed life. And he knows that living the blessed life He's got to get your heart free so you can love generously. You can love the way he loves. Because by loving the way he loves, you open that generous spirit and that opens the blessed life to you. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.